My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. I've been really looking forward to recording today's podcast. I've only ever met Bob Kleber online, and I'm really looking forward to meeting him in person one day. He's charismatic and fascinating, and I'm delighted, Bob, that you agreed to do this Wildcard Whose Shoes podcast episode with me today. I'm so looking forward to finding out more about you. But from what I know already, you're a paediatrician and I'd love to see you in action looking after those children that you care for, as kindness is at the centre of your work. I've loved joining your monthly sessions on a Thursday evening. Indeed, there's one tonight. It is a truly global group. It must have something very special when people like Kath Crock and Nikki Macklin join regularly from Australia and New Zealand at four in the morning. I love being part of this global movement for kindness and seeing something that could be regarded as soft and fluffy becoming centre stage. Indeed, being featured shortly at the World Quality and Safety Forum in Gothenburg. How did that happen? I'm sure Bob can tell us more. So welcome, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell me a bit more about yourself and what's important to you? Good afternoon, Jill, and thank you for inviting me. Um, I think I'm going to take up a new thing of not letting other people introduce me because I'm not sure I quite recognise the person you've described in any shape or form. So uh, anyone listening, you know, prepare for some disappointment, I'm afraid. <laughs> it, but it's lovely to be here and it, it's great and really important, I think, to be spending some time thinking and reflecting and talking about such an important topic and and sort of moving into the doing and the action bit and we'll we'll maybe come to that um what can i tell you about me well um yeah I, kindness is a really important thing and we'll get into that in some detail uh, i was sort of brought up i think with a sort of ethos of be kind be helpful as uh, two important things i'm definitely a learner at heart i um i absolutely love these sorts of conversations and i have this wonderfully broad and varied role that really gives me an extraordinary opportunity to just keep learning i learn a huge amount from my patients and their amazing families um that's been a key part for me um, i absolutely love people and spending time with them i think this wonderful combination that healthcare has around people and humans and humanity but also being underpinned by science is really key so as well as working as a pediatrician which uh, the sad news in a sense is a relatively small part of my time but I have a a full-time job on the executive team at Imperial College Healthcare which is a a wonderful trust in in northwest London a big place we play a big part in looking after the sort of two and a half million people who live in in west London we employ about 15,000 people and many of people listening might know St Mary's or Charing Cross or Hammersmith that are three big teaching hospitals. We also run an eye hospital, the Western Eye and Queen Charlotte's maternity hospital, but really trying to do that in a way that really thinks about quality of care in, in its widest domains. So absolutely making sure care is safe and people have a really good experience of care. But but 
thinking beyond just this episode of care, thinking about anything we do in a health service is contextualising people's wider lives and try to be really good and thoughtful about about that. But um, loads we can talk about, um, loads to get stuck into, but I hope that gives a little bit of an essence about the things that really matter to me. I think that's a brilliant start, Bob, and I love the way you were talking there about contextualising healthcare in people's lives. And I guess that's what I've tried to do with Who's Shoes, that it's not just about, I think one of the original Who's Shoes cards going back 14 years now was that something around, you know, it's not just a set of services, it's someone having a life. And that was around social care at the time. And my sort of big vision really has been trying to join things up around people who really don't give a monkeys about quite which service and which individual is providing which bit of their care. I think we had something about my backbones in Birmingham and my livers in Liverpool or something, you know, for people, for individuals, it's just getting kind people who help them with, with what they need, isn't it? It, it exactly is. And I remember, I, I should know the exact number. I'm going to misquote the number. Somebody better at maths needs to get a calculator out and do uh, do 24 times 365. But you get to some sort of number like 8,620, something like that. And that's the number of hours in a year. And I did a little slide where I was thinking about maybe some of the families who come and spend two hours a year with me um, and this pathetic, tiny amount of time and intervention and it's very easy to think that that's all very important contextualize maybe with 50 hours or 100 hours that they might spend with professionals in total contextualize within 8620 hours a year of their wider lives so our moments of intervention are really small in lots of ways they're really insignificant in people's lives that's not to say they don't and can't add value but I think we've got to be much smarter and much more thoughtful about and actually let's get honest and open you know Jill do you think there's a maybe I should need to start doing this with uh, some of the children young people I look after to say look you know we've got half an hour here together in the context of how can I be helpful how can I be useful and I think getting into sort of almost co-design of of that moment in time together is a really is a really sort of thoughtful way of doing it. it's not how we're taught traditionally you know the the sort of power that the doctor sits with so there's a really interesting dynamic here about how we turn that on its head I talk about picking the telescope up from the other side quite a lot uh, which feels like a key part of my world at the moment that's really interesting. I think some of the work, I think you probably love some of the scenario cards we've got working with children. So there's one that says the doctor keeps going on about history, but I want to tell him that I hate history and I'm really good at, I'm really good at maths. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, and look, my first experience of co-production uh, going back 10, 12 years or oh, 13 years ago was with a group of young people who we got to know because they had sickle cell disease that was the piece that brought them together and we it was the first bit we really we were really true and open to sort of deep co-production and asked very very open questions but you know let me admit and confess we thought we knew what the answers would be so we thought when we were asking what are the things that really matter to you they would be worrying about how long when they're in the emergency department how long it takes us to give them good pain relief or those sorts of things so very sort of medical measures we didn't touch a single sentence on that stuff people were talking about I really want to be a lawyer 
can I still be a lawyer if I've got sickle cell disease? I'll always remember that. And it just completely blows your mind that we were faffing around on these, you know, not unimportant things, but in the grand scheme of things, unimportant things and completely failing to pay attention to the things that really mattered, the things that were really worrying them. So, you know, great learning for me uh, all those years back is genuinely and deeply and with a real sense of curiosity, asking questions like, what are the things that really matter to you in a really open way and and being prepared to listen hard and and you know be surprised by the answer challenge your own preconceptions about what people might come up with so uh, yeah really amazing moment I can remember remember that conversation to this day and unless people feel that they you know whether they're children or adults that they can actually say what's worrying them so some of our cards are obviously more serious so it might be that and someone trying to be kind so you know, I'm going to put you to sleep now and you won't feel anything. Yeah. And actually the dog was put to sleep the, the week before and just that wording and the terror, you know, that someone's got absolutely no idea that that particular kind of juxtaposition has come together. Yeah. And that's uh, what, a you know, a, a, a such an important learning story. And I just think we've got to, we, we have to be so thoughtful about this. I, I can think personally, and I'm sure people listening, we get this stuff wrong. I, I'm quite self-conscious of being six foot three and, uh, you know, increasingly grey haired uh, man who, you know, the engagement piece. So I spend a lot of time sitting on the floor. It's why anyone who knows me well, I'm always pretty scruffy and very, very rarely wear a suit. Um, you know, I think being a paediatrician that, you know, the ties end up in babies nappies and you need to sit on the floor a lot um but seriously I mean uh, if you think about the way our consultation rooms are set up and um, I'm doing a lot of stuff related to my exec role around redesigning hospitals and all three of our wonderful main hospitals are falling down and need need redesign if anyone listening happens to have a couple of spare billion pounds to invest in that please please get in touch but we're trying to think really hard about actually how do you design spaces where the power is shared and you know the idea of a a doctor sat behind a desk with his or her name on the on the door you know and all their letters of great achievement behind it it's just like why on earth would you set up a consulting room in that space you know we need to set up listening rooms not consulting rooms uh, so uh, you know lots for us to think about and improve on that coincidentally i saw on twitter yesterday i can't remember exactly what context but someone was like really and you've got a name of a consultant outside a door blank to fill in the actual name, but it had Mr. ready to fill in the surname and like hashtag everyday sexism. So that's wow. an aside, aside yeah. but wow. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I sort of, I'm a big one. It's interesting and not everybody's comfortable with this. And there's a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I personally have found first names, just a really 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 important equalizer around things so I, I don't let the medical students call me Dr Kleber I just don't think it's helpful on that trying to create psychological safety things now people have very fairly come back particularly junior people I've heard a number of uh, come back and say look you know that I've worked so hard for that and people don't believe I'm a doctor and I always get accused as being a nurse there's some really interesting sexism angles on it and um, particularly sort of younger women who 
are highly qualified doctors but don't get recognized as that because of everyday sexism in our society have sort of pushed back a bit and said look I need to call myself Dr X uh, rather than my first name because uh, so I think that's a really fair and valid point but I think wherever possible we look we are all just human beings I mean Mm -hmm. if we really truly believe in inclusion and equity we are just human beings we have to relate to people in that way and I think anything we can do on that front is is really key. And that and you, you know you introduced this not soft and fluffy piece, Jill, about kindness, and that is so right. This is the absolute starting point of of safe, high quality care, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think we're so much on the same page with that. Um, with our Who Shoes workshop, we've always had like come along in casual clothes come along and don't introduce yourselves around the table. Don't wear your NHS lanyards. And then it's not about hiding who you are at all, but it's about as human beings coming together. And, you know, if it comes up naturally in the conversation that you're a consultant at the hospital or you're, you know, whatever role you are. But on the other hand, if you get, you know, people introducing themselves around the table and it's like, I'm the chief executive and remind me who little person you are, then it, it cuts across everything when you're actually trying to get people to open up and just talk to each other as human beings. I totally agree. And, you know, uh, it's largely irrelevant of what your role is, uh, how you behave, what are the things that matter to you, how you make other people feel around you becomes the really, really key things. I mean, yes, there are, there are still significant uh, levers related to positional power of, that a chief executive can sort of get done. But I totally, totally agree with you, I think. And the really amazing leaders, they don't need to use that stuff. You know, th- there'll be moments when it's very helpful. And because of all the great listening they've done, then they're in a great position to change the direction of their organisation or their company or their charity or whatever it is they're doing based on that listening. But your point is absolutely right. If you go into it with all this um, sort of baggage around you all you're doing is putting a wall up for people to be honest and be true and be straight and uh, yeah back to this thing we're just humans it's not you know when we no, no one's more important than anyone else and interestingly we've found that that works helpfully more so almost in the other direction that people don't say join our conversations in their professional role they join as people so then it might come out that perhaps the chief executive's worried about her own mum with dementia or her child with learning disabilities or, you know, whatever sort of personal. And again, people don't have to bring up anything personal, but people very quickly get drawn into the fact that these other people actually care as well. And then by sort of that levelling, that's how people co-produce the solutions together. Yeah. And you've got me sort of thinking really about stories. And uh, I mean, I one of the bits of learning that I just absolutely love and a a wonderful friend on the East Coast of the States, Kate Hilton, helped me to understand this. But this is Marshall Gantz work around public narrative and storytelling. And uh, again, I'm sure lots of your your wonderfully thoughtful listeners will have uh, picked this stuff up before. But if not, do have a look. And this is this idea around self around us and around now. So what uh, Marshall Gantz talks about is, it's this idea of, it's not about what I've achieved and what's on my CV and all that sort of stuff. That's just deeply boring. And you didn't really introduce that me around that. And I wouldn't have let you anyway, because I'm much more interested to know, well, what do I really care about? What gets me up in bed in the morning? What what do I worry about? What uh, what am I passionate about? And what uh, self us now does is, is this idea that, 
if you want to tell a really good story, you have to put a bit of yourself out there. Actually, what do yeah. I stand for? What do I care about? What really matters? And then the us bit is how do we connect? So I guess part of what you and I are trying to do is just put a bit of self out around not what we've done or all this stuff, but actually what do we care about? What are we passionate about? And maybe that might connect with people listening. And then this sense of now I love, this is this piece about urgency. And I think that's a really, really important thing. This is not a topic that I'm prepared to let get kicked down the road oh yeah well you know the trouble is the NHS is we haven't got enough money at the moment no 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 no. this is a starting point this is not this is an urgent starting point we have to change how we're doing things now and I think that I, I think that sense of now of urgency is really really important and I think with the conversations we've been doing we've been really focusing in on that piece about let's act let's move this is urgent let's do something now that, that's fantastic. And I think um, I, I've got to get you, Bob, to come along to one of our Who Shoes I'd love to. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a bicycle. I'm, uh, I, you know, I'd love to be there. So we've had right from the beginning and Fab Bob's flow, my big partner in crime obstetrician at Kingston Hospital, Florence Wilcock, has been very instrumental in pushing this even more. But right from the beginning of Who Shoes, we've had a kind of action focused approach. And I think very relevant to what you've just said, we kind of sow the seed right the way through the workshop that people have come along, not just because they want to improve things and they can pick out what needs to happen and what they, whoever they are, need to do, but actually that they individually are passionate about something. And I wouldn't know what that is but to kind of think throughout the workshop about what it is that they individually can do. Now, I think, I've been doing this for 14 years now. I think the idea of pledges has has caught on a lot more since and, you know, can be a bit naff possibly, you know. And I've always said I'm not interested at all, and this has been a bit maverick in terms of perhaps measuring and NHS England and so on, in how many pledges. What does that mean? But it's trying to find out and follow up afterwards what's happened as a result of the pledges and to support people in delivering those pledges and then with social media to try and connect them to other people who are already doing amazing things and then fab NHS stuff who can share things so you don't start with a blank page and you can see people you can see them come alive in terms of I can actually do something here and it might be very small but then the small things add up yeah listen I totally agree we've got into really super interesting discussions around measurement so let me be sort of clear on a few things that uh, I think so you can absolutely measure kindness. You can absolutely measure relationships. You can measure trust and things. The sorts of things that you and I know from the work we've been doing are absolutely key ingredients to the sort of change we want to go and see. The The next interesting question is to what extent, how useful is it to spend time, energy and effort measuring these things? Really fantastic. A um, couple of social researchers came and helped us uh, Simon Brownlee uh, related to work that had been done with the Carnegie UK Trust around measuring kindness. And uh, Simon came ran one of the workshops. And I think what I loved about his challenge, he said, look, before we get into the detail of how you measure kindness, there's a really important question of do you actually want to? And I, you know, we didn't really, we kicked that around very hard. And I think, you know, we have a healthcare system in England in particular 
but actually more widely in the UK that has focused just above my head. You're, you know, I, you, we, we, this will be voice out there, but uh, you and I have got the pleasure of talking to each other with video too, is Julia Unwin's wonderful work about the rational and the relational. And we've had this strong, strong bias to measuring the rational stuff. Now that's been really important and following mid staffs and all of the terrible things there was very key, but we've completely forgotten about this importance around the relational. So there's this strong and gross bias towards processes that are easily measurable. And people are too disinterested in whether the processes actually connect up to real meaningful outcomes that actually matter to patients because they're too busy counting the processes to your point. So as you say, I don't care whether there's a hundred pledges or a thousand pledges or 10,000 pledges. If they don't, or at least some of them don't connect to meaningful change that matters to the people who we're here to serve, forget it. It's a pointless process count. So I completely agree with you. Um, we, we have to really, really think hard about, and, and the trouble is, is the measurement story has has got so much power to it and it's where the money sits and it's when people are always talking about metrics and things without really thinking it through so what i learned from all my improvement training is the first thing you've got to be clear about is what do you want to achieve so there are countless measures and metrics and dashboards sitting around in the nhs with absolutely no clear connection to what they really want to achieve so question one is what do you want to achieve and um, the second thing is about what are the sorts of activities and things that logically or through evidence will get you to what you want to achieve and then comes in the measurement bit how will you know you're on the journey how will you know you're making progress how will you know that some things are really working and some things really aren't so yes you absolutely need measurement but boy we spend a lot of time and taxpayers money measuring the wrong things <laughs> absolutely and Whenever, you know, someone approaches me and says they're interested in the Who Shoes workshop and I've just got such a, a, a radar for spotting tick boxes and sometimes when something gets a bit more su successful, the danger is it can become we need one of those Who Shoes thingies, you know, and I don't want to go there because it's a grassroots, it's a passionate, it's about wanting to achieve something. So that's always my first question. Well, what is it you're trying to achieve? Yeah. rather than going in with a tool, because ultimately it is just a tool. Well, it, it is, although I think, um, you know, and I need to come and experience one of one of the workshops is, but I bet my bottom dollar, I'm sure it'll be very energising, I bet it's really hard work as well and uh, is deep. And one of the things that I've been, I, I, as I have some fun, I can think of a group, so I quite regularly do, or very regularly, um, do a session with a really wonderful program that actually has been set up within the trust that is pitched at people early in their consultant careers and it's a leadership development program and there's a wide program and some really super things on it and some great really fab people come and uh, talk and run workshops and do interactive things uh, I think it's it's excellent and the team who've run it should be really proud of it they get me for an hour on this sort of kindness bit and I always start it with a bit of you know I expect you're you're you know you're expecting this is the bit to sort of put your feet up this is like you've had pretty heavy morning and you get to the contrary this is going to be the hardest and most heavyweight and most difficult hour of the whole course we're going to really, really go hard and things like that. And people look at me going, oh, you're bluffing. Are you sure, really? <laughs> so you, you get to the 40-minute mark and people are really feeling it. This is a really heavy weight. You know, this work that, and the, I think it's really important to say, isn't it? There's, and you know, you're in my networks and conversations that we've had with people. There's a lot of really wonderful people doing some really, really interesting work 
in this broader space really linked to linked to the human side of care and uh, that would be a sort of a common thread and I think one of the things that's rather wonderful about it is people are I think very generous and keen to connect there's not there's not lots of elbows out going well what I'm doing is more important no 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 I think there's a deep belief that this sort of collective movement uh, and I think a movement's a really helpful phrase but this is the direction of travel without a shadow of doubt and you know there's a bit of I'm trying to create a bit of jeopardy here as well for people who are sort of still trying to hang on to uh, a different way of uh, a different way of working that involves bullying that involves shouting at people that involves deep hierarchies that that stuff has gone well it's not completely gone but it is a successful way to run a healthcare system has absolutely been you know fundamentally disproven there's some bad habits that are still whirring away out there and that's the stuff that we need to try and get on top of yeah it's so important and I mean coming back a little bit to what you were talking about before and you know changing norms I suppose and you know the concentration on data and things that are kind of easier rather than in inverted commas, softer, fluffier, yeah. you know, less measurable things. One of the podcast episodes so far that I'd I'd love you to to connect with. And I think, you know, I, I look at statistics and sometimes the ones that I think should be the most influential aren't. And Miles Sibley and the work he's doing with the patient experience library and the evidence that he's building behind the fact that patient stories and just listen to that language the anecdotal patient stories compared with the medical reports and as a patient I might make a complaint but you make a serious incident report or just that the language that sits behind it and he's collected 70,000 documents but he's also you know it strikes me as a really clever guy who can actually not just say this needs to be different but why so I yeah. think with you, with kindness and what matters to yeah. you and patient stories, it's it's coming together as a big movement, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And I think organisations are really doing, starting to do things differently. You know, we, we're an organisation that historically had just not been interested or curious in this. We did a big and deep piece of work around looking at our values and, you know, which started was co-produced. You know, I was involved in running... Uh, well over 100 workshops with uh, over 2000 staff really asking the question what what matters what is what are the things what should this organization be about i think reflection that we didn't always get that right we we realized we'd be doing more about values and less about behaviors we merely moved on to a sort of focus in and around behaviors and what's really interesting with just my wonderful colleague michelle dixon uh who's our director of communication engagement we're she's setting up with help from a wide group uh, essentially a, a focus on user insights so users not the best word but what we're trying to what we mean by users is really everybody who's involved in our services so that's our direct patients but that's our local residents that's local charity business council partners other nhs partners that's all of our staff we're really trying to be quite systematic about how do we learn from the insights of the people who are coming to contact with us as an organization in any shape or form and how do we use that to systematically drive improvement that's a very very different way of looking at things and to your point we're really trying to give equal weighting to all sorts of different sources around it rather than you would use the word around I, I think it's just laziness on the measurement bit this idea that 
things are easy to measure um you know we've got the data already so that's the stuff it's just laziness and it shows a lack of understanding of the logic that we talked about is be clear about what you want to achieve and that should be linked to the things that most matter to our patients the things that are going to make the biggest difference to our local communities our local citizens and then co-produce what are the things we're going to try and test to try and improve them and then the measurement comes in so just the fact we've got the data is irrelevant but yet people seem to jump on that all of the time so i'm a, i'm a pretty ruthless at at spotting that lack of logic and calling that out brilliant yeah i love it it takes me right back actually i'm right back there working for my local authority before i jumped ship and set up who shoes and i was working around quality improvement and performance and suddenly outcomes became the buzzword and I had this guy telling me I needed to report on outcomes. And I just had this gut feeling that something needed to come before the outcomes. Yes. <laughs> we were just in two different worlds. And I didn't know, you know, and it was the same like with my early um, work around personalization and seeing senior people, you know, suddenly it was the buzzword in social care and talking about choice. But actually, how does that work in a completely risk averse society? Yeah. And, and that's really where who she's came from, like looking at these tensions and trying to call them out, like you're saying. Yeah, and they are, I think, just to pick on the word tension around stuff. And I think, I think these things are tensions and they're really real. And I think sometimes it can sound, can't it, that this conversation can sound like a bit of an assault on, uh, you know, the people who are working on, uh, in a performance management setting or dealing with contracts or things. But I think, well, I think we both strongly argue th- th- to say, you, you know, let, let's be curious about that tension. Let's try and understand it better. Let's try and look at things from different angles. Let's be much more open and curious. I mean, I think the word curiosity and being curious is really, really important. You know, I'd really encourage people listening, just, j- just try out this idea that maybe all of us just uh, you know aren't quite so sure about what the answers are that we might think they are just hold a slightly more curious space challenge yourself to think about some of the things you've thought about as just being oh well that's how it is why why do they actually have to be of course hanging out with kids is children are absolutely brilliant at that you know they do you know we learn don't we in management improvement programs and courses about things like ask the five whys I mean I've watched children ask 19 whys in a row <laughs> and uh you know they're, they're they're brilliant at that developmental curiosity and uh, work yeah beats it out of us somewhat so uh, I'd really encourage people to go and get themselves a little bit more curious yeah well I'm quite proud of that because I wanted to come on to the fantastic videos that you're putting together about kindness, crowdsourced by all the different people. Yeah. And amazing how different people are coming up with different aspects of kindness to show at the conference, um, the, the Quality and Safety Forum. But my little clip, and thank you so much for including it, was around being curious. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> listen, and you're so right. And just on that, I think, and it, I touched on the word about generous, and I introduce the importance of learning to who who I am and what I really care about and the wonderful thing about this work is you know you're very kindly I mean I've sort of found myself sort of being accidentally finding myself a little bit on the tiller of this sort of boat but the truth is it uh, in in lots of ways it's sort of it's nothing really to do with me that it's 
a convening of a whole group of extraordinary people. And as you say, you know, we, we've got people now from 30 different countries who have uh, found a sense of collective power, collective learning, collective curiosity from uh, spending a bit of time together, lots of little touch points. I absolutely love, I mean, you know, if I had more time, I'd do a PhD on the connections that it's triggered off. And um, and I think it's just that that great sense of generosity that people have to to share, to learn, to, to really want to do everything they can to make things better. Um, and I think a recognition you know, when you think about everything that's going across the world at the moment um, and where we are, wh whatever angle you're interested in taking, whether it's around climate, whether it's around economic development, whether it's around the fact that people still die of diseases they shouldn't die of, uh, whether it's about war. I mean, really sort of take your pick on it. I think coming together around this sort of work gives people a real sense of hope. It gives people a sense of connection. Um, and that's feels really 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 important and we got we mustn't overstate the impact but i think recognizing that being connected being part of it goes back to this human thing being part of a, a movement being part of society in that way gives us great strength and great courage to go and do all sorts of amazing things and you know you met, mentioned our incredible friends down in the southern hemisphere i mean Every, I'll be doing it again at six o'clock UK time tonight of wondering what on earth they're doing at four o'clock in the morning. I, I feel like sort of sending someone round to their door to knock on the door and say, go to bed, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but they contribute so much. And, uh, you know, I, of course, love having them there. So, yeah, there's something about that sense of community. And I guess um, researchers much smarter than me have written lots of wonderful things about communities of practice and and, and movements and how, but very fundamentally is this human thing about let's let's look after each other, let's be kind to each other, let's be generous to each other, um, let's stay curious, let's keep trying to learn. And that's to me is most likely to lead to a sort of happy and productive life. And it's fun too, I think. Exactly. I'm absolutely rubbish at measuring things and it's not what I set out to do. And it, you know, hopefully somewhere along the line that catches up, you know, in some way, whether it's sort of shared stories or, or whatever, I'm more into the sort of storytelling side, but your PhD would need to pick up some of the informal connections. So for example, I've had a chat with Kath Crock from the Hush Foundation. I was absolutely, as you may remember, fascinated by Nikki Macklin with her needles and noodles and how yeah. that linked with Miles Sibley and his patient stories. So those ripples, I think, I don't know how to measure them, but I can feel yeah. them. And that's important. Well, and listen, I think you're onto something there. So, you know, there are ways to measure them. But again, our bias is we go to the technical, we surround it with a whole load of things. So I love your piece about feeling them and what's the value in feeling them and, and doing something with them and energizing them or talking to me about them or, or giving you enough courage and motivation to go and act on something or to make further connections. So I think it, again, I go back to that provocation that uh, Simon gave us of like, why do you really want to measure? There's a transactional cost to measurement. Um, you, you can put stuff in the way of it and cloud it in the way. And it's probably the reason you're not wildly good at it, Joe. You know, it's a bit <laughs> like there's people who could you go home every night and write the doctors get asked to sort of write a reflective portfolio. And what's happened today? Well, if I think about it, I reflect, I often do it on the bicycle about all the different things going on in my head and will sense make that stuff. Thankfully, as I'm on my bicycle, I'm not there with a pen and paper uh, trying to write it down. <laughs> so I'm rubbish at writing it down. But 
when I think about it, I definitely reflect and I'll bounce things off people and talk. So it feels like my reflective practice is good. My documentation of reflective practice is absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's maybe something for me to improve on or not. And I said, and I've just done a What Matters to You podcast. And I said within that, that now I've completely lost my train now, so I'm going to have to edit this. <laughs> 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 we, were, we were so fluent. I got really excited about something there. Uh, what was I've got no idea <laughs> going on my head in these sessions just goes in I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine how you keep them you know the, you invite characters like me on trying to keep things on the vaguely straight and narrow it's, uh, it's near impossible I suspect but I, I was trying to do um, a crowdsource podcast bringing in different voices in terms of what matters to you and I ended oh, up wow. yeah so I think perhaps it was around it ended up as a bit of a stream of consciousness and I don't know how it landed for other people but I think the key point for me was that sometimes some of the biggest stuff that I've done I have ended up with zero record of it because I've just been too busy whereas you know when you're a bit less busy you've got more time to kind of make the most of the things you've done perhaps make the little video share the stories write the blog you know yeah. yeah that was my point <laughs> yeah yeah well it's a really interesting piece and again it's a bit we haven't been great on the kindness conversation around that because it's felt like putting the energy into convening and facilitating you know and as there's a lot of sort of voluntary effort here from people so we we've definitely been much less good as we could be at uh, at the sort of capture piece around it and so yeah stuff to think about but I think again being guided by what are the real value activities what are the things that that are going to matter the most and make the most impact there's something about being quite deliberate about that I like the word deliberate you know there's some wonderful spontaneous things that happen but being deliberate about what you're doing also feels quite important so this is uh, links to this. Um, Dr. Mary Salama, who I don't know if you I know. I do know. Oh, I thought I've you been, must uh, <laughs> I've been lucky enough to go and visit her in, in Birmingham, if Amazing. I've got the right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have set up, Mary and I, intentional coffee, hashtag intentional coffee. I and love it would it. be that a deliberate, you know, the kind of person, a bit like today, Bob, you know, that you come across and you're interested and you'd like to sort of find out more about actually rather than a random coffee, make that effort and kind of like perhaps be a bit, bold to invite somebody and yeah. see where it goes well we teach in our improvement work um about something called a relational meeting um which the community organizers and there'll be community organizing experts listening to this i have no doubt but it's one of the key tools that community organizers have in their toolbox around things so it, it's absolutely intentional but is not transactional around, right, you know, Jill, can we meet because I want to look at the end of year this and we've got to yeah. do planning for quarter four or, you know, that's a transactional meeting. This is about, you know, tell me about what you're thinking and how are you feeling and what are the things that really matter to you? But as you say, it can absolutely have intention. So I'm conscious you've got to go, Bob. I really don't want to keep you. To something much less interesting. That's <laughs> a, no, I'm very, listen, I'm very lucky. I do lots of really interesting, really, really interesting things. My next meeting is about we're, we're doing some exploring around how we can do much more employment of local people. So thinking about our role as an anchor uh, as an organisation. So that's where I'm off to next. But uh, um, It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, you know, connecting and it, with the community, isn't it? Connect with the community and hey, this thread about understanding about the things that really matter to people, this thread about kindness, you know, so I'm really interested. Yes, you know, 
how you can be a kind individual or a kind leader, but actually how do we behave in that way as an organization, as a healthcare system? Absolutely key. So I think, uh, you know, the culture of the organization we're trying to run here, we're really trying to think very hard about, about that at an organizational and system level as well, which is really exciting. Well, I'm sure we could talk all day. I, I have no doubt. I, I think probably both of us could. Yes, exactly. So uh, I'm sure there are loads of things we haven't covered, Bob, but what we have covered has been very real and spontaneous. And just thanks for jumping in and making time for it. I'm really grateful. It's an absolute pleasure and always, always happy to talk more and think more and, and indeed do more. So uh, listen, I'll look forward to seeing you a bit later on the conversation. Thank okay, you. Thank again. you so much, Bob. OK, bye okay. then. Bye-bye. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform. And please leave a review. I tweet as whose shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And let's hope that together we can make a difference. <laughs>